This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news the week of October 13th, 2018. Scandalous sommeliers. Craft Brew Alliance has three new allies. Coca-Cola pay a hefty price for some coffee. And it's that time of year again to start hunting down your pappy. All this and more this week on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Who's that? What was that? Returning. <laughs> Returning. Gasp. I would, I would say champion, but that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, in a way. Yeah. You know who aren't champions? Who? Some sommeliers. Oh. Well, we've got news of an unprecedented cheating scandal that shook the sommelier community to its wine-swilling core mm. Tuesday evening. You know what? The one There being a sommelier community... It's kind of funny to me, but... They were all standing around, just twirling their glasses, letting it aerate. Yes. <laughs> Playing uh, with their ascots. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, 23 master sommeliers have been stripped of cert- cert- uh, certification uh, due to a compromise in this year's tasting exam. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, no, in an official press release... Uh, uh, the board of directors of the Court of Master Sommeliers, CMS. What, is, what else is CMS? Center for Medicaid Services. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, America's announced that it had a... Uh, uh, sorry. I guess the Court of Master Sommeliers, Americas, announced it had uh, unanimously voted to invalidate the results of the tasting portion of the 2018 Master Sommelier Diploma Examination for all candidates because of, quote clear evidence unquote, that a master, uh, a master breached the confidentiality of the wines presented for the tasting mm. hmm. yeah no I mean I wonder if uh, they they would have would have tipped them off someone smelling it and going this smells like a <laughs> Chateau de Blanc 1847 no one ever gets that. How did you know it just from smell? You know, that's uh, that's about how this system works because the the way that they do it is they present, of course, the board of – and I only know this because I watched the, the movie, the documentary of those guys that went through a sommelier tasting. Mm-hmm. But basically they present it and they say, okay, what is it? And they go, okay, it's a white, smells like Sauvignon Blanc, smells like it was from this region in this year at this time. Possibly, if I were to guess, it would be this vintner that made it. I mean, it gets that specific, and that's that's how hardcore these guys are. I would just be sitting there the whole time calling BS on, like, everyone that comes through. And I was like, there's no way you could know any of that. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to sit here and with my two hearted, mm, yes. Oh, I can smell. Like, you could pick out some hop aromas. You're like, hmm, now that particular one. And I think they harvested these hops from the Pacific Northwest. Mm. Like, no. (laughs) 
Well, as of yet, it's unclear uh, who was involved in the information breach, uh, nor which of the 23 candidates are believed to have benefited from it. CMS CMS Board of Directors went on to state that it uh, had barred the master involved from participating in any CMS programs or events, and it is initiating ter- uh, initiating terminating their uh, membership. So, wow, that they they got hit with the ban hammer. The ban hammer came down hard. So, if for that sure. happened for the whiskey sommeliers, would they have to turn in their giant Flava Flav pendants? <laughs> Good point. Uh, Do they have a big ceremony at the castle at the Wizard's Tower where they have to like? <laughs> I want to picture be beheaded? it. Like- I want to picture it like the, 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 the stereotypical movie cop, you know, rogue cop, like, turn in your badge and your, you know, like, oh. turn in your snifter and your metal. Yeah, it, it's always the metal and the uh, the wine, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the wine the friend cork. or whatever, the corkscrew. <laughs> yeah. Turn in your corkscrew. Oh. They're never, they're never allowed to own a, the Glen Karen again. <laughs> chairman for the board, uh, chairman of the board, Devin Brogel. Uh, MS, uh, I guess, Master Sommelier, uh, stated, said, uh, maintaining the integrity of the examination process must be our highest priority, uh, lest we risk diminishing the value of it and respect and the respect earned from becoming a Master Sommelier. Uh, gaining Master Sommelier, uh, I guess, going to talk about the, the, the thing, it's a long process, there's three st- Three parts: theory, uh, practical, which is a restaurant service simulation. So yeah, you. Oh, then allow me to recommend. Like, I would like to have. I'm having steak. Well, allow me to recommend this red wine I've dumped ice cubes into. <laughs> this Hawaiian punch. <laughs> uh, Welch's grape juice. And then obviously there's the tasting portion. Uh, Tasting exam is the most difficult, as candidates must blind taste six wines, identify grape variety, geographic region, and vintage of each. So it is literally what we were joking about. Yep. Uh, It doesn't have to give them the year, but... Mm. Mm. (laughs) No, that's the vintage. The vintage is the... Oh, oh, sorry. I was thinking vintage being the... Vintner. The Vintner, Vintner. yes. Uh, Yeah, sometimes you can get... You can drill it down, especially if it's got, like... I mean... A lot of these folks, they can narrow down to, oh, it's on this side of the valley or that side of the valley because it gets more sun. Like mm. It's just that hmm. That's minute still, of like, a detail. Yeah. I want to call horse shit on it, but again, like if you're that entrenched in it for that long, then yeah, you can pick these. Well, I mean, I guess out. it's like the the um, you know the brewers picking certain like you can pick out certain hops. Maybe it's like kind of the yeah. same thing. But, I mean, it would be a, probably the equivalent of a brewer picking out. I mean, for a vent, I think they're just so much more nuanced. They're they're that much better, I think. I don't, the, uh, no, the, no, the, they're the worse brewer's version of Okay, they're worse people, <laughs> but they're they're just more they've got better noses, usually. Uh, now, we did, you know, like we're, we did do kind of a blind taste testing. In fairness, we had like a, a you know, a word, a, you know, a, a brewer bank to choose from. Right, mm-hmm. but we did do that for a uh, a little uh, a special episode once. Yeah, so. that's why the blind tastings are so good because yeah, it does kind of go to that like some beers you can totally pick out like you know like Fat Tire. You're 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 gonna guess what that is. <laughs> yep. So, but or or um, Boston Lager maybe. By, yeah. by the way, guys, how many people do you think took this uh, Master Sommelier test this year? <laughs> this year? 
I read. A, I read ahead. Yeah, I, I <laughs> I'm gonna guess a large number due to the cheating scandal. Okay. What, what would what would just give me a rough guess? For master level and considering how prestigious that is supposed mm-hmm. to be, I'm gonna say like maybe what ten at the most. Yes, you haven't the slightest idea. Well, twenty-three people got got kicked out. Got yeah, got their certification revoked. Twenty-four passed. <laughs> oh wow! So only Before... one person didn't get their stripped. Morgan Harris, head sommelier at Anglers in San Francisco, California, is the only passing member whose certification remains valid. He's nice. the only person who didn't cheat this year. Oh my! Because because he successfully completed the tasting portion of the exam in twenty seventeen. Uh, <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. 24 is apparently the largest number they've ever had passed, which probably should have sent some signals. It probably yeah. did, and that's when they stopped and went, you know, I don't think <laughs> this is... Missed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I go, the apparently uh, uh, Seattle-based sommelier and Vine Pair uh, podcaster Zach Gable... Uh, took to Twitter saying this is a massive and shocking story in the world of fine wine and sommeliers. The court of master sommeliers has invalidated the results. Uh, uh, exams due to fraud. Stunning. Hashtag psalm life. Hashtag wine. Psalm uh, <laughs> <Psalm> life. <laughs> yeah. I know the, the story. But, <laughs> sorry. Just when you're talking about master sommeliers and in the middle of your article you have a Twitter break. It... <laughs> Actually pretty great. Yeah, kind yeah. of. <sighs> all right well, well i guess those uh the 23 who are being stripped of their title could come together and form an alliance and speaking <laughs> of the number 23 eh? uh, uh, i don't know where you're going with that okay there was a purchase of cisco brewers by the craft brew alliance for 23 million dollars oh, okay. Uh, craft there you Real, go. Craft it ties Real, in. Yeah. yeah, Craft Brew <laughs> Alliance's nearly four-year-long strategy of partner, partnering with smaller brands has officially culminated with three separate purchase agreements that combined will cost the company less than $45 million. CBA has publicly traded craft is a publicly traded craft brewery group headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Today announced that it would wholly acquire Massachusetts Cisco Brewers, uh, North Carolina's Appalachian Mountain Brewery, and Miami's Winwood Brewing. From the beginning, we knew that our shared values and complementary interests gave us a platform to grow together, CBA Chief Andy Thomas said via press release. Over the past few years, as we've gotten to know each other, uh, each of these exceptional breweries and their passionate teams, it became increasingly clear that the future would be brighter for all of us working together as one. The company will spend $23 million to acquire Cisco Brewers, which was founded in 1995 and operates a small brewery on Nantucket Island. Financial Mm. terms for the other two transactions were not disclosed. (laughs) At the end of 2016, CBA invested... Uh, $2.1 million to acquire 24.5% stake in Winwood Brewing, indicating a potential uh, valuation of more than $8 million. The Winwood and Cisco Brewers transactions closed today, and the deal with AMB is expected to close before the end of the year. <coughs> the combined cost of the three transactions, which were financed via a new revolving line of credit with Bank of America, <laughs> will not exceed $45 million. I, you know, I've spent this whole time going, CBA, I know who they are, 
but I can't remember what's in them. And then like, and there's another reason I know them. Oh yeah, Kona, and yep. that oh, uh, yeah, uh, ABM yeah. Bev owns not the majority, but owns a significant stake. Yeah, uh, yeah, a significant stake, and they have. Uh, I think most of the board of CBA are former uh, Budweiser or Imbev execs, right. hmm. so they basically have control of it. Uh, the deals with these three smaller breweries, which combined uh, will account for about 5% of CBA's total production volume in 2018, comes to about uh, comes about eight months after the company announced that it would eliminate an emerging business and unit tasked with forging strategic partnerships in favor of strategy that prioritized innovation over mergers and acquisitions. So they had decided that beforehand that CBA was not going to grow by just acquiring other brands, but they were going to innovate from within. Kind of. Where, where have we heard this before? Oh, yeah, from ABM Bev. But lo and behold, what did CBA do? Oh, they just went ahead and, you know, bought some more. CBA's Emerging Business Division uh, wasn't formally launched until mid-2015, but the company's established its first strategic partnership with AMB at the end of 2014. Four months later, CBA extended the partnership and became AMB's master distributor. CBA later began brewing some of the North Carolina brewery's offerings at its brewery in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Hmm. Ooh, never heard of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they just go on to lay out the full timeline showing that this has been since back in 2014 is when all this these wheels were set in motion and they had actually been brewing some of these beers already for a while. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in a conversation with Brewbound, where we sourced the story, Thomas said the company's strategy of negotiating, distribution, and brewing-focused deals allowed all the companies to better understand the benefits of partnering. But the initial plan wasn't built around absorbing companies as a means of capturing local market share. I mean, you you can say that. <laughs> when we it wasn't got, built around it, but it's a certainly it's a benefit. Yeah, when we got into these agreements, uh, the idea was to take an equity stake and not to fully acquire the brands. But the companies have evolved. We've gotten to know each other, and in today's market, this isn't a time to divide and conquer. It's a time to unite and call. where where have we heard this where have we heard all of this before <laughs> i mean look they had a good script before they left their old company hmm. they decided to do their practices which is buy up smaller people this is just copy and pasted from that like annoying it was over just over a year ago that we saw that they released that big video from abm vev's acquired brands about oh we, we got we got a band together. Oh yeah. We got a band Look, together I, and fight. I blocked that I blocked that video out of my memory. <laughs> we gotta fight uh we gotta fight wine and wine and spirits. Wine and spirits, they're coming for us. Jeez. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. but yeah. I don't know. It's maybe it means we'll get some of this stuff though. <laughs> I couldn't find anything on A B and Bev ownership. Um but Later on, uh, there is some heavy talk about a full buyout of this company, CBA, by AB and Bev. Um, oh. it's, it's, a, it's currently a publicly traded company under the headline Brew, and uh, they, were, they were looking to potentially, with this purchase, bolster some um, potential buyout opportunities. Mm. So 
19 million or so shares at around $24.5. So under the terms of a renegotiated commercial agreement, they have until next August to make an offer, a full offer. Oh, Mm. so, so yeah, they're, they're sitting there all fat and ready and just looking appealing a big hog. That's just basically jumped up on the skewer itself or it's on the, it's on the spit and it's just like, wiggling looking at ab and bab going eh, eh, you need to come turn this spit <laughs> oh, okay so i just found like the wiki for it because i remember us mm-hmm. talking about this it says as of january 2013 ab and owned 32.2 percent of okay. craft okay. alliance um so they and, could buy the rest i'm guessing then. And, yeah they're also well maybe they're also the distributing uh, distribution partner and they have two seats on the board of directors but mm. um as of august 2010 both the Widmere brothers, like the brothers from Widmere brothers, own eighteen percent of Craft uh, Brew Alliance. Ooh. Wow! So they could really stand for a good buyout then. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. two, if the if the numbers were right, would just be like, yeah, yeah, that's money in our pockets. Just like, so, yeah, yeah, that seems about the right cost. Let's just uh... how much did your soul cost? And you're they're just sitting there going, yeah, it's about the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> So, let, me, let me do the math on that. 19 million shares at 25 bucks a piece. <laughs> How uh, drunk eight, are these birds? Ni- well, let's do it like this. 19 times, what would you say, 18%? Yeah. Yeah. Um, times one. How do I put a million into a calculator? <laughs> one and then a bunch of zeros after it. All the zeros. All the zeros. I'm just trying to see. I forgot who and was then, part of the Craft Brew Alliance, too. Red Hook, Widmer Brothers, <laughs> Kona. Uh, omission so let's say the brothers own exactly half of this 18 percent they own nine percent a piece an ab and bev buyout at what they've negotiated is 42 million dollars each oh i mean (laughs) i you know that's i never have to work again money yeah (laughs) that's like i can just go travel money (laughs) and not have to do anything else well, I think uh, speaking of never having to work again kind yeah, of money. Speaking of stupid money, uh, Coca-Cola's $5.1 billion, with a B, dollar deal to buy the UK coffee chain is approved by Whitbread shareholders. Every time I look at that word, I'm like, it's not white bread. There's no E. <laughs> like, I have to, like, mentally tell myself, like... That's the redneck... Uh... The redneck American sidearm of the yeah. company. <laughs> White bread. Jeez, it's all one word. Um, Whitbread obtained shareholder approval for its a proposed proposed sale of its coffee chain, uh, Costa. Is it Costa or Costa? I don't know. Uh, to Coca-Cola for an enterprise value, and this is in the UK, of £3.9 billion, pounds, or $5.1 billion. At a general, Costa them a lot. <laughs> at a general meeting held in London, uh, Thursday morning, Whitbread announced that 99.27% of its shareholders voted to approve the sale. So that All was going right. through. Who's, <laughs> who's the, the slightly more than a third of a... Somebody was like, no. <laughs> um, this deal was previously announced on August 31st and was met with widespread investor support, with shares closing more than 16% higher that day. Whitbread had previously said that the price reflects a, quote, substantial premium to the value that would have been created through the previously announced demerger, given the Coca-Cola system's global product distribution and vending platform. 
Yeah, mm. I mean, that's, yeah, they're not stupid. Um, <laughs> in the lead up to its decision to sell the coffee business, the British hospitality company faced intense pressure from shareholders, led by activist investor Elliot Advisors. Shut up, that's his last <laughs> name. <laughs> I thought it was a company. <laughs> It has Just to be. shouting at them, though, going, we want money. <laughs> uh, the hedge fund congratulated the board of Whitbread on the Costa Costa transaction when it init- was initially announced. At the same time, look, the fund noted like it is look, it is a company because okay. it's uh, a hedge fund. I was so say. excited. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, so... Uh, they, uh, they, the fund noted that it looked forward to continuing to engage with them to maximize the value of the remaining businesses. Um, so there's a, a, a little bit more to this, but so um, it says uh, Whitbread joins a raft of other consumer companies engaging in deal making in the beverage sector, in coffee in particular, to bolster growth. Um, it says uh, big traditional food and beverage companies are under pressure to adapt to changing consumer preferences. So, uh, like health and wellness, natural ingredients, high-end niche brands. Uh, 2018, it t- says that PepsiCo announced plans to buy SodaStream for $3.2 billion. How, do we, um, how did I miss that? Well, you all may not have, but how did I miss that? I, I don't remember that either. Uh, Nestle struck a $7 billion licensing deal with Starbucks. Italian coffee maker Lavazza agreed to acquire Mars Drinks, a business, for around $650 million. And according to Reuters sources, and most recently, Italian coffee maker Illy, oh, we've seen that stuff everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. signed a licensing agreement with JAB Holdings. I like Jab Holdings. I, I was going to say Jab, and I was like, that seems strange. No, no, it's Jab Holdings. We're going with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> analysts highlight that the presence of activists in the sector is a contributing factor as well. Even if companies don't have activists on their shareholder register, the threat of attracting one is leading companies to proactively search for growth. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just you got to keep up is what's happening right now. Like they, they as I've noted, like there's a, a lot of stuff. It doesn't water, matter where you're at in the beverage industry or food and food and beverage industry, really. Um, you, you've got to keep up with the times and, and, and spread yourself out. Well, I think that's also but, a good way to bring up, uh, I don't like a clarification or attraction on a story from last week that was the last week that we talked about Pepsi. I don't think actually we talked about it. I don't think we actually talked about what we had already. There was a story going around that Pepsi was buying um, a cannabis company or investing in one. And then they came out this week and were like, no, 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 that's not true at all. Yeah. Since they've, they've they've since denied it. So, so we're seeing a bunch of, a bunch of these large companies uh, moving to invest in cannabis. And then you see Coke turn around and just invest hard in, coffee well coffee and and well they, they already did the uh was it them we talked about at one point doing the cannabis thing like they're getting everywhere uh, they had yeah well and like basically i think a lot of these places a lot of these companies are just looking for anything that's got yeah potential yeah. growth well th- that anything that's going to have exponential growth because there yeah. are segments right now if you gain a quarter of a percent on somebody else you in, in that segment you are are killing things i mean that's that's a huge bump in share prices and and yeah. you're you're as ceo you are guaranteed that golden parachute um but if you if you in the land of brand new entering business are able to find something that grows five thousand percent over the next 15 years that is is where the money's made yeah mm. 
All right, well... Um, speaking of paying insane prices for things? I was thinking <laughs> of speaking of where the money's made. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> so that's going to be the theme of the episode, I think. <laughs> Peppy Van Winkle season is nearly upon us. This article coming from Food and Wine Magazine, reporter Mike, and or I guess blogger, uh, article writer, Mike Pomperens. Uh I say that because I want to article shame him. Um, <laughs> for bourbon fans with love of with a love of hard to find bottles and a bit of extra scratch to spare, the annual race to get a bottle of whiskey from the old Rip Van Winkle Distillery is official on. Yes, you read that right. Official on, not officially. Um, so, through the information, though the information isn't yet public, Mark. Uh, October 1st marked the official date that Old Rip Van Winkle Distillery, also known as uh, as our our good friends over at Buffalo Trace Distillery, oh, um, right. uh, most famous for its Pappy Van Winkle line of bourbons, appreciated by the Pope himself, told wholesalers <laughs> across the country how many bottles of whiskey they could expect from the brand during this annual release. From there, the individual distributors will then get to make their decisions on how they're actually going to divvy that up, whether it's from a state lottery or uh, you can go through as going and, and giving these bottles to retailers that just sell a lot of their products and hey we're gonna we're gonna thank you by giving you some pappy as well um and then others are just saying okay this is a a really high volume store we're gonna let it go to them or i know their uncle whatever it is uh, <laughs> they're divvying it up so it's hard to find so now may be the time food and wine suggesting that you go and actually nosy up to your uh, your local retailer and see if they're going to get a bottle see how they're going to plan to sell it so the smaller mom and pop shops may get a bottle here and there and if that's the case then uh, you know a little brown nosing doesn't hurt uh, probably should have been doing it a few months ago instead of right when the pappy comes out but sure. still doesn't doesn't hurt there yeah, they'll they'll announce at some point near me where they'll when the lighter when the lotto happens. Isn't it yep. twenty four hours like for the Pappy Run in Lexington? Yeah, hmm. yeah. But they, how do we get on the email list? Because I've been trying to do that for a couple of days, and I'm just like, how? Like you can't sign up online anymore. And I'm like, how the hell do you get on the whiskey the whiskey list there to for the newsletter? I'm like, hmm. So the closest stores that are likely to receive it um, in Lexington, let's see, 40505, let's see what there's. I already know showing. Liquor Barn will get it there, and Party Source up here will get it. One of the Liquor Barns in Louisville <laughs> will get it. Liquor Barn's not showing. Mm. Not for this year. Um, Shoppers Village and Thoroughbred Shop in Lexington are the only two that are actually showing right now as potential uh, places to get the whiskey. Wow. Uh, then if you go to Frankfurt, you could possibly go to the Red Dot Wine and Spirits. But that's interesting that they're not, not showing well, a liquor barn there. Well, they, they just had some recent, you know, changes. Oh, yeah. There were some. So yeah. I wonder about the liquor barn in Louisville. might have infected. Uh, Depths in, uh, in Alexandria, on Alexandria Pike in Fort Thomas, they are showing. Oh. Um, showing a little there. Jim, so that's uh, Jim, going to need a... <laughs> And Party Source is showing, and Liquor Barn in Louisville is showing. Mm. Which one say, in I don't Louisville? Need words, Chris. I just need like a, a Viking horn being blown. <laughs> Which one in Louisville? Because I was, I was like, oh yeah, the main one in Louisville. You can't. I don't know how to find the main Liquor Barn so in Louisville. <laughs> it's showing multiple locations at okay. the as the the actual. Because um, there's like five of them there. 
Yeah. So what may have happened is they may have said, okay, liquor barns are getting it, but we only list the one in Louisville as the main outlet. So oh. that may be what happened on that side. Mm. We'll see. Interesting. Yeah. And then it filters down to the other locations from that one. That's yeah, like... they may have just said you get one listing on the site, and we'll put your corporate headquarters, you know. Yeah. Possibly. All of corporate get 40 bottles, and then they mm-hmm. get to divvy, divvy them up beyond that. Yeah, I'm just waiting for them to go to abandon the lotto method and just go straight Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Battle it One out. One day. One day. Indeed. Well, you know, if you drink it over that pappy, you might get a hangover. But I'm you know what won't Aldi. get? This week in Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I swear we're going to get a jingle one day of just this week in Aldi. Uh, yeah. No. Um, I, so this, this article kind of refutes it a bit. But so Aldi is officially selling what they are calling a hangover proof Prosecco. Um, this article is, is saying, nay, nay. Uh, <laughs> it's not just an anecdotal story. Uh, it says that they, it is not hangover proof, though. So studies have shown that the carbon dioxide in especially bubbly drinks means you absorb the alcohol faster, resulting in a more soul-crushing hangover the next day. Aldi claimed to have mastered the art of waking up fresh after a night of quaffing Prosecco. However, with a new low-sulfite version, uh, the drink is an organic, extra-dry Prosecco sourced from the Corvezzo family uh, it was 150 hectare estate in Italy. So it's, I don't know, from the legit source, it seems. <laughs> uh, it's um, £7.99 a bottle. And in a now-deleted tweet, the store called it a hangover proof, uh, which is a statement that they have confirmed to, um, this, this site was uh, metro.co.uk, um, was not authorized or endorsed by the brand. Oh. <laughs> so we had a nice Twitter slip up here. <laughs> um, so this, uh, this claim was attributed in a number of publications to the sulfite content in organic wines. Sulfites are preservatives used in most wines, and there's a common theory that the lower the chance of you getting a pounding, please just end me rather than allow me to have a suffer, to suffer another minute more headache uh, the <laughs> next day. Uh, that would be an absolute dream, of course. Uh, while carbonated alcoholic drinks do give you a worse reaction the morning after, it's an urban myth. Uh, University of Colorado professors found that it really was all about the bubbles. Um, so Professor Boris Tabakov told ABC, You get a faster rate of absorption, higher blood alcohol levels, and brain levels if you drink champagne as opposed to something non-carbonated. So getting drunk faster, which is the case for two-thirds of people when drinking carbonated drinks, means a worse Hmm. hangover. There's no research that sulfites will be responsible for a hang, uh, unless, of course, you're sulfite sensitive, in which case they can cause a reaction not dissimilar to an asthma attack. You know, asthma attacks and hangovers don't seem very similar. And that sounds super not fun. Um, I didn't know you could be sulfite sensitive. You can be sensitive to everything now. Uh, according to, I'm sensitive to the force. <laughs> according to the FDA, around one in 100 people are sulfite sensitive, and can have allergic reactions. Those people will have to avoid various foods and drinks, from tinned soups to maraschino cherries. Um, in this case, Aldi's offering is a perfect perfect option, allowing you to enjoy a bubbly beverage without breaking out in hives. 
Uh, most mm. people, though, will still feel like a bear with a sore head the next day if they drink too much. It's not all bad, though. Uh, this Prosecco has a 4.7 star rating on the Aldi website, and customer says, <laughs> on the on, yeah, on the Aldi website, let's be clear, uh, <laughs> customers say that it tastes great and the price is right, of course. Um, so just go ahead and enjoy it, but you will probably still get a hangover. <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. It just seemed fun to, 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 to dream that yeah. so soon after our Prosecco episode that yeah, that is They're true. Like, oh, it could be. I could drink it with no headaches. I mean, uh, I guess they day. thought they were onto something. So yay, <laughs> on the on the sulfite thing. I didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing. Although I, it, this does explain why, like my beer drunks usually hurt more than my whiskey drunks. Mm, yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize the bubbly thing. I guess it, it, it probably knew that at one point, but it's one of those many things you forget after years of drinking. <laughs> it's okay. Tequila is just so smooth. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly. A half a bottle and you're fine. <laughs> I didn't even have a hangover. No. Because you found good tequila. <laughs> just something strange there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... <laughs> uh, no, never mind. That segue is not going to work. <laughs> Speaking Let's talk of about Spanish things. <laughs> uh San Diego is uh, bucking some some trends that are uh, that have been happening nationwide, at least. Uh, and their craft uh, beer industry seems to be uh, seems to be uh, chugging along at, at pretty high growth rates. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, yeah, uh, this article here, uh, which we pulled from the San Diego Union Tribune, bucking national statewide trends. San Diego's craft beer uh, craft beer industry is a heavy hitter pulling in three times the revenue of the San Diego Padres. <laughs> That's a very specific... Like you do. Like, comparison. <laughs> Padres are uh, major league, right? Right. That's... I think they're minor. I haven't nope. the slightest. No, they're major. Are they major? Okay. I was thinking they were... Okay, whatever. Beer's a uh, better bet than sports in San Diego. Well, upcoming report found that the revenue hit... 820 million last year, 26% above 2016, 638 million. Uh, and Ashley, the report's co author, noted that in the same year, craft beer revenues, the U.S. rose 1.6%, and California fell th uh, 0.33%. Uh, Statistically speaking, I would call both those flat, is what he said. Uh, that said, San Diego is uh, up quite a bit. Hmm. But, so, oh, Sandy, I was just going to say, Padres are uh, are up there in um, in the major league, in the National League West. They are ranked last. <laughs> okay, that might explain why I couldn't even say like, no, they can't no. possibly be. No, they can't possibly rank last. They have a forty percent win percentage. Ooh. That's that's got to be slightly below the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's a good question. The Reds have a forty-one <laughs> percent. Like I said, slightly below. <laughs> uh, well, uh, they give you some highlights here from the report uh, about San Diego's craft beer scene, where San Diego County has more craft brewing locations. Uh, 
about 178 than any other U.S. county. Locally craft brews produced uh, 1.1 million barrels of beer uh, in 2017, up from 900,000 in 2016. The revenue from craft uh, local craft brews is roughly three times the Padres' revenue, uh, 226 million. Man, I think he's just going. Like, you know what? Let's let's get rid of this team. Get a new team <laughs> based based the, around beer. The brewers, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who are first in the North uh, National League Central. The Brewers. Yeah, maybe he's trying to 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 entice them to like to drop their team and to to pick up. You know, pull a pull a, a, a '90s Browns on them and just oh, yeah. <laughs> still hurts deep. Uh, <laughs> uh, the total economic uh, impact, including money spent on supplies and marketing plus indirect expenditures, hit 1.1 billion dollars in 2017, <sighs> a 26.4% increase from 2016. Uh, <laughs> that's roughly. Uh, hold on, sorry, my my mouse screw, scrolled crazily. That's roughly triple the economic impact of Alboa Park, its museum, and the zoo combined. <laughs> wow. All right then. Uh, so, uh, brewing brewing tourism definitely get ready for those ads coming out of San Diego. <laughs> well, the data seems to support the guild's boast. Uh, the guild being the San Diego Craft Brewer Guild. Uh, that the region is the capital of craft. Uh, San Diego County accounts for more than one-third, 36.9%, of all craft beer sales in California. But isn't Stone in San Diego? Uh, they're uh, in Escondido. Escondido. Is that in San know. Diego County? I don't, that I don't know. Someone who's not currently fighting with uh, uh, pop-ups can look that up. Uh, I am... Escondido is in San Diego County's North Country region. Probably a good of downtown San Diego, a, California. A good chunk of that coming out of Stone, mm. which makes Stone's sense. there going like, no, our back hurts, guys. We're oh, from yeah. this county. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, gosh. Well, uh, well. Uh, while increasing competition and rising costs pose significant challenges, several county breweries, including Monkey Paw, Chuck Alec, and Intergalactic, recently shut down. Uh, the number of craft local breweries continue to grow. Uh, they said they were buoyed by a recent decrease in the federal excise tax on beer from $7 to 3.5 per barrel on a brewery's first 60,000 barrels. So, hmm. apparently that, that probably helped a bit. Yeah. McKellar also has uh, a brewery there. Oh, hmm. looks like L Smith. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Ballast Point has a place there. I don't know if they actually brew. I there, don't know if the I don't know if the article up. was counting Ballast Point with that. That's it. That's a yep. Non. That's a different uh, yeah. Green Flash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the room goes silent. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, as I take my hat off and place it over my chest in respect for a green flash. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I mean, they're not. They're, they're not, not dead, 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 but what? they just retrenched a bit. Um, so, talking about a little bit of. Uh, you know what is dead? Chickens, when they're turning the chicken wings. There you go. Good call. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings present in the 2018 Great American Beer Festival was merely an appetizer 
The Chicken Wing Restaurant, one of the largest chains of Chicken Wing Restaurants in the U.S., will be a regular menu uh, item at numerous Brewers Association events over the next two, count them, two years, including the 2019 GABF, the Craft Brewers Conference, and Homebrew Con. What? Anyways, the presence <laughs> in addition to BA events was part of a three-year sponsorship agreement with the trade group. Buffalo Wild Wings beverage innovation manager Jason Murphy. We <laughs> know that guy? No. <laughs> he gets around. <laughs> the idea is to be back here doing the same thing next year, even bigger, he told Brewbound during last month's GABF, where the restaurant chain had set up a replica sports bar outfitted with television screens, draft beer, and, yes, you read this correctly, free wings. Oh. Delicious. Oh, uh, <laughs> I could have had free wings, guys. <laughs> I was, uh, I think, like sixth or seventh to last in getting free wings. Oh, really? They they only gave you like two per per trip through the line, but you know, after I went through, they closed it down. Oh, they Jeez, like ran so out of it. Like, <laughs> Not nope. today, sir. Yep. <laughs> Here's your two. Get out. <laughs> I think I had my Asian zing, and that was it. So, anyways, uh, Murphy, the uh, the spokesperson here, uh, said he'd like to activate at activate quote unquote at CBC, and he's also hoping to be involved quote unquote. That's another word that's kind of interesting to quote there uh, in the BA's high end beer and food pairing events, savor and paired. I don't know about that. I don't know if I like that idea because savor and paired are both like real chefs doing this not fry cooks yeah um, nothing wrong with a fry cook i used to be one but it's a matter of i don't know if that's really a the great place to to charge an extra 50 dollars a ticket to get buffalo wild wings you know yeah. uh buffalo wild wings though does like of the 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 cheney casual dining sports bar kind of restaurants does usually have a fairly decent beer selection like they have so they tend to keep a lot of taps on. Have I? Do I? Um, beer list. I went to my... I don't have it right here in front of me, I guess. I've only um, been to a B-dubs like once in my life, and that was in a college town. Huh. Yeah. And, it, and it, I was not impressed. <laughs> uh, in fact, I remember not eating half of my food and just kind of leaving. So I went to Buffalo Wild Wings... Here we go. I got it right here. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings a few weeks ago, and maybe about three weeks ago, and I did a, a count on what was on draft. And so I did a look through to see what our local Buffalo Wild Wings had, and it was a lot of the big brands. So Budweiser, Bud Light, and I think they had somewhere around 20, 23, 25 tap handles, Budweiser, Bud Light. Like you had, of course, Stone, uh, IPA, but then... You had Miller Light, Coors Light, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, Stella Artois, like all these lighter beers on there as yeah. well. That's 25. Like, can't you pick one? And then it was a bunch of IPAs. So it wasn't even a good no, choice of styles. It was no just IPA and light. And, no yeah. stouts no, before or we, before, and... Oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to say, before they had... Uh, 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 before we get started getting like you know Hopcat and a lot more like smaller here here's a bunch of bar handle here's a lot of tap handles with with crazier stuff or rotating stuff yeah it's one of the places you could reliably find something that wasn't you know Bud, Bud Miller course on mm. draft uh, or you know that said Lexington has a lot of places that would have like one or two things but they would usually say for like 
here's our Guinness draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Indeed. It's it's not an unreasonable partnership, I guess, in my mind. But Well, one of the good things yeah. is that Buffalo Wild Wings says that currently craft beer makes up about 30% of their beer mix. Domestic also makes up 30% and imports make up the last 30%. I think we're missing 10% there. Uh, <laughs> but they're looking in 2000 and I know. That 10% uh, is that room to grow. Numbers. Yeah. They're looking in 2019 to offer more local and regional brews, which I'm I'm really happy to see. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you are. Because, <laughs> um, you know, seeing Stone and those guys on the tap, that's great. But I would like to see something that's pushing more towards the what people are wanting, which is that local brewery. Now, Stone probably hates this idea because oh. they're going to be the ones that get kicked off of that list. Yeah, they'll yeah. Get, instead of being able to offer both uh, their the Stone IPA and you know some other like Stone seasonal, they're going to be down to just one handle. Yep. So instead of getting rid of Bud Miller Coors or Stella or Guinness, they're going to get rid of that one. I was going to say because there's no there. way they're getting rid of any of the Bud Miller Coors. But no, they they get too much uh, throughput on those beers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that is means like you know that the uh, <laughs> when you have limited space and you know uh, what was it? Bud would have two. Miller would probably at least have one. Coors would have. Fours would have one. Yeah, uh, that's like that. Just just of the big big brands, you know, Bud, Bud Light. Yeah, and then Ford you got a Blue Light, Moon on there, and that's it. Yeah. Well, then that's so. that's what technically three for or two for cores. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, no, like they, I didn't mean like they're big brands. You've got those that are going to stay there. You'll probably have like a Blue Moon or a Shock Top, depending on mm, yeah, depending who on who they're yeah, and then. You know, those have to stay, and you've only got, like, 20 handles. Oh, you're talking about Buffalo Wild. I was talking about, like, a, a normal <laughs> bar restaurant. Oh, no, in a normal bar restaurant, you're going to have those, and then you're you're going to have that Blue Moon, and then that's it. It's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be my experience in Mount Sterling at that little steakhouse where they had six <laughs> handles, and I walk in, they're like, we have both kinds of beer, but and cores, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God. They like, may what? also have. They may have a Sam Sam Adams. Not the one I was at. It, yeah, it's a, it's a toss yeah. up. It's always a toss up on Sam Adams because you'll you'll have like you may have a Boston Lager or you may have the seasonal or you just won't have Sam Adams. Like that's it. They like, like on draft now. Yeah, yeah. Like, at Red Lobster, they don't have cores on draft. They only have it in bottle, but they have Sam Adams on draft. Hmm. So can vary. Yeah, it depends on what you but, can get away with, really. So the good news here that the company will still mandate they, – they allow 23 to 30 tap handles at their stores. Wow. Okay? So the good news is that they're going to still mandate 23 tap handles minimum, but they're going to, according to this guy, drastically decrease the number of national mandates and instead move to a state-by-state -state model that incorporates the more local and regional offerings on a spring-to-spring -spring schedule oh. instead of uh, instead of your January-to-December schedule. This allows a little bit more flexibility in seasonals. So you mm -hmm. kind of know that the opportunity for falls coming up, you, you kind of know that's the big beer season to rotate through. He can change those things around. Yeah, and he's also going to be giving more data to the regional 
level so that they can make decisions on what's actually selling. Instead of just making the guess, oh, yeah, we sell a ton of stone, they can actually see, oh, stone in our five restaurants actually doesn't sell that well, um, and they can move those through. Um, they also say they're looking to partner with anybody and everybody. That's in quotes. Who's <laughs> making quality beer. Quality, I think, is the important part there. Um, and encourages brewers to call him directly. Wow. And they're looking wow. to do something with a partner brewery, uh, but not on the national level, but at each individual restaurant. And so partnering up with the individual restaurants. I've seen – I went to Buffalo Wild Wings on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. And I usually – I mean I, I go rarely, but I did go in and um, – Only had, on Thursdays. Only on Thursdays. No, I have their chicken wing or their their chicken tenders. I don't even eat the wings anymore because the breaded wings are too much fat and bread and not yeah. enough chicken. Chicken, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So um, I went in, had some tenders. They have a really good sauce right now. It's a pumpkin ale sauce. Oh, oh my yes. gosh! No. <laughs> right, guys. Right. No. I can only get so no. erect. Go to the garbage where it belongs. <laughs> it's delicious. I swear, it's not super spicy either, um, but. As I was walking in, they have a Mexican uh, Dos Equis, I think, or uh, one of those Mexican beer companies uh, created a a new Pell Ale that they are uh, rolling out. So it's not just a lager, it's a Pell Ale. Oh, I think it's I Modelo. I would be interested in trying that, mostly just because it seems an odd choice for Dos Equis. Yeah. And, and it's it's Mexican lager. It's like Mexican with six X's or something like that. Pale lager. It's like Mexican. Isn't that Australia in Discworld? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Huh. Ooh, this is interesting. Too the last statement here: beers that you've expected to see on a, at a bar just because they've been there for twenty years might not be in the Buffalo Wing Wild Wings anymore. Murphy said, referring to flagship fatigue. Ooh, that's that's refreshing. I like. It would that be idea. yeah. But I can see what to this me whole... that says to me that says. We're going to pull New Belgium, or we're going to pull Sam Adams. It's true. Uh, it could true. be the case. Because right. you're not getting... You, you can't have Buffalo Wild Wings at a sports bar and not have Bud Miller Coors. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. The people won't that, have it. It's 30% of what they're selling. They won't... And the imports, I could see the imports really pulling. I, that uh, that yeah. I could see pulling the, Well, yeah, the Mexican loggers alone. I mean... <laughs> yep. Uh, well, no, I could, see them, I could see them maybe ditching a Stella. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Or 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 a uh, 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 Amstel Light. No one drinks that. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. The one that was local to us. Um, let's see. Modelo Especial was a was a something brought in. Um, Stella Artois, and dang, dang, is that the only two that I saw? Oh. Yeah, those were the only two imports that I saw in their entire list. Everything else was either a um, an American semi-large company, or they even have our local one had more lines. Um, FC Blood Orange IPA guys. Oh, huh. oh yeah. Yeah. So not not something I expected to see in Pikeville. <laughs> I see a lot of more line down that way. Yeah. Um, and, and well, it's the FC, so that's like the Cincinnati yeah. Football Club, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, you know what you might see more of? Tell me. Pliny the Elder. Pliny the yeah. And the younger. So uh, and all the Plinies, pl- yeah, Pliny yeah. for days. Maybe maybe some Catos. I don't know. Wait, no, we're not just talking Romans. <laughs> Nearly thirty months after first announcing plans to build a new production facility in Sonoma County, 
Russian River Brewing Company will open its nearly $50 million, 85,000 square feet brewery, tap room, Jesus. and restaurant on that Thursday, huge. October and 11th. Restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the opening comes a year after wildfires ravaged Sonoma County, killing 44 people and displacing thousands of residents. Our good, community... good news. Your home is now our brewery. Well, no, Russian oh. River at their uh, current, or well, now this is their current facility. At their previous facility, uh, it was spared from the fires, and they reopened like immediately, and they donated so much to the local community to get yeah. things going again. Uh, our community has definitely changed. Russian River uh, co-founder Natalie... I never. I could Chilurzo. Not, Chilurzo? Yeah. Okay. I, could, I was fighting with it all pre-show. I was like, how the hell do you say their name? Chilurzo told Brewbound, uh, I think it's sort of our new normal, but it's still really beautiful here. And hopefully our new brewery will help drive tourism back to a whole new level and bring even more people back to the community. So that was another big thing. Uh, their, the Pliny release last year was like right after the fires and they ended oh. up donating i think most of the money that came yeah. from it back straight into the community and that was another so, way that it brought because everyone was coming to town for the release so it brought people to the hotels and everything and yeah really helped kickstart the regrowth so i there was something I, I don't know the exact details of it i can't remember but i remembered a story from the the release last year and one of the guys had lost their home in the fire and was standing in line and it was a regular, they knew him and they were like, no, you don't stand in line. You just lost your house. Come to the front or at, we'll give it to you or something like that. I mean, it just was picture just them real... walking by going like, dude, what are you doing? I uh, just stood in line. Where are you staying? In a hotel down the, you get inside right now. That was exactly, I think that was exactly the way it went. Yeah. Um, just a real cool kind of folk. They 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 know their regulars. They know their people, and they treat them like family. That's yeah, that, that's, uh, that's the thing that war the that warms the dead recesses of my heart is <laughs> is like small business <laughs> things like helping like no you're one of us. Here's well, a free one on the house. The power of the oh. beloved Pliny brand just might bring the tourists back. Earlier this year, the annual February release of uh, Pliny the Younger, the boozier brother of Russian River's flagship offering, Pliny the Elder generated $3.36 million in revenue from tourists visiting Sonoma County as visitors traveled from 40 states in 17 different countries to get a taste of the triple IPA. That's all according <laughs> I to Sonoma. Drive out there. <laughs> That's according to the Sonoma sure. County Economic Development Board. And I'm pretty sure you can bet those numbers are pretty accurate because there was no really other reason for tourism. Anyone was coming to Sonoma <laughs> County at that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't say, oh, there was a wine festival or something. You're like, no, it was all gone. <laughs> the Catalina, anyways. Yeah. And there should be more Pliny to go around in 2019 as Russian River ramps up production in Windsor. Beer production on the company's new 75-barrel brew house began in early September. Okay, the picture of this is just ginormous. Yeah. Uh, we it have like a subdivision. It, yeah, yeah, it looks like some kind of housing <laughs> complex that you you know. Honestly, it guys, looks guys, we could live there. <laughs> it looks this is comparable, I would say, to the Uinta facility out mm -hmm. in Salt Lake. Like it is that size, and I would say even in style, because it kind of looks like you know the not the <laughs> brew house, but like the restaurant portion of it all looks like a you know big farmhouse. Mm. Yeah. Sure. We haven't brewed as much beer as we're hoping to brew by now, but I think we're getting all the kinks worked out. Uh, as those issues got ironed out, uh, her and her husband, Vinny, you know, they're the couple who started it all, 
are planning to significantly grow the brewery's production in 2019. Last year, the company produced 17,000 barrels of beer, and the company is on pace to sell upwards of 25,000 barrels of beer in 2018. Mm. Next year, Russian River is targeting production of up to 40,000 barrels. So they are really... <laughs> those are rookie numbers. They, they got to get those numbers up. And that's only two-thirds of their 60,000 barrel capacity. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the increased output will be used to feed their new tap room and to backfield demand with its existing yeah. wholesalers and local retailers. The company also plans to open new markets in California. <laughs> oh, it's, that's oh. nice. They're opening up new new markets to sell their beer in. Yeah, they're talking about, you know, they're going to be... Like, you know, here, I'm going to build this little little stand here, and you build that stand there. We'll have a little marketplace. Oh, <laughs> oh, not like that. Yeah, so uh, th- there is another uh, aspect to this whole thing. Uh, although Russian River will maintain its downtown Santa Rosa brew pub, company's looking to sell the original production facility, where it has operated for nearly a decade. Uh, they're asking $1.7 million for the turnkey brewery, which is capable of producing up to 20,000 barrels of beer annually, and sublease the property for a little more than three years. Uh, the operation includes a 50-barrel brew house with four 100-barrel and two 200-barrel fermentation tanks and two 200-barrel bright tanks, a yeast brink, and a wastewater treatment system, and other pieces of brewery equipment. Wow. Yeah, the wastewater treatment system is the most most needed portion of that as far as like cost analysis that's a uh, that's an excellent thing to have yeah although russian river is trying to sell the brewery turnkey uh they would also consider selling the equipment if the offer was right so if you think you can really brew with the big dogs and you can find uh, investors there you go uh the company has doubled the size of its staff adding 120 employees to its windsor oper- windsor operation uh, as that facility begins pumping out beer, Russian River isn't planning to add cans to its packaging lineup just yet. <laughs> but they won't rule it out in the future. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, sorry, I was busy trying to look up on a map. I was like, how far is that? I'm planning like a trip <laughs> in the next couple of years out west. And I was yeah. like, I wonder, I wonder how far out of the way would it be to drive down? Very far. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, it's not yeah. a fun drive, turns out. No, no, I don't mean from here to there. I meant from where I would be at to there. Uh, Still far. Still far. Yeah, people don't realize how big California is. Uh, that uh, always no, kills I'm, me I, when people I, I say... Figure, I, people call San Diego at... Northern California, and I'm like, have you ever looked at that on a map? Uh, that's kind of that's kind of maybe midway up the coast. It's nowhere near the north. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I just don't know how... I guess one of those, like, uh, I just don't know where Sonoma Valley is, but now I do. <laughs> all right well i think that about does it for the day guys yeah i think we've rambled enough on news indeed um <clears throat> excuse me uh so we'd like to remind everybody that this is our news only show but we also do the weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink if you like what you hear and you want to support have a drink please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show and we will see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, you know, on time. Uh, once again, uh, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. 
Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>